Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And what happens when you put a 225 in front of that? You can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. There you go. <laughs> and there's, there's a few more numbers if you happen to be outside the continental United States. Yeah. We would love to hear from you, too. But That's you're right. going to have to look them numbers up for yourself because <laughs> I don't know what they are. I got an email just the other day from a guy in Australia, and he says he listens to the show all the time on Stitcher. And so it's basically you can reach people from all over the world, and it'd be kind of cool to have some folks call in. If you go to iHeartRadio, you can actually listen to the show live, and you may have to type in WJBO or something like that because that's the station that sponsors our show. Right. You can also go to WJBO.com, and there's a link there to iHeart where you can listen live. That's and great. pretty soon we're going to have that on the site, links to those, where you can actually click there and load it on for you, and you'll be able to listen to the show live. That way you can call in. and Because if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher or one of those, you're getting a recorded version of the show. Of course, you can't call in. Right. So this makes it easier for people to call that, in. That's right. And, of course, if you're in Baton Rouge, you just listen on your radio. That's <laughs> it. Makes it even easier for you. So, hey, let's go to our phone lines. We've got Greg online. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. How you all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good, good morning. Listen, I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. i got three little questions for you. You bet. I had my truck in your shop this week. You did an excellent job on the brakes and so Thank forth. You. And I forgot to ask you a couple questions. Sure. Uh, Lewis, what's the difference between ceramic brake pads versus conventional? Well, Greg, it's really not a conventional brake pad per okay. se. There's probably, oh, a hundred different materials they can make a brake pad out of. Mm-hmm. Going back in history, originally they were made out of asbestos, which was almost a perfect material because it was very durable and it was very yeah, heat resistant. Yeah. But, of course, it's a carcinogenic, so they, they couldn't use it anymore. Sure. When they started getting rid of that, they went to a number of things, metallics, fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Lately, they've come out with ceramic, and it's just sort of an evolution of materials. Now, if a vehicle comes with a ceramic pad, it's designed to work with a ceramic pad, they are pretty good. They hold up pretty well, and they are probably the latest in the evolution of pads. However, that being said, if the car did not come equipped with ceramic pads, and there's very little, if any, benefit to them, what we like to do is go back with the original equipment manufacturer's pad. Yeah, OEM. On a Ford, I use an OEM Ford pad. Reason being, what Ford does when they design a pad is they make a pad specifically for that make, model, year, and even option level. It's designed to take friction out of the rotors where it'll stop good, but it won't overheat the rotors and warp them. All that kind of stuff goes into it. Now, when you go to an aftermarket pad, say a ceramic or whatever, what you're getting is a huge roll of material, and they stamp out different little things. And if you got a Chevy pickup, a Honda Accord, or a BMW, you're going to get the same material on your pad. It's not designed specifically for the vehicle. So that's the difference, and that's why I like using the OEM pad. Okay. Yeah, and the other one, the second real quick question is, you know, I have 06 F-150 4.2 V6. Yes, sir. And once every three, four months when I start it, it just does a little shutter, and I shut it off, and then it does it. Is that normal, or...? Probably not normal, Greg, but probably uh-huh. not real detrimental either. Okay, okay. Most likely it's something like the idle control servo is sticking okay. just a little bit, and it just doesn't catch exactly right, so it doesn't move the idle up quite high enough. I, okay. What you can do next time it does it is to just watch the tachometer, and if the RPM are lower than what they normally are. I don't are, have a tack, though. It doesn't have a tack in it? Um, in, in the truck, no. Okay, well, that won't work for you then. But you could possibly have someone attach a tachometer. That's the easiest way. It mm-hmm. measures engine RPM. And what it's supposed to do, briefly, when you start an engine, it's running pretty inefficient because it's cold. So the fuel doesn't atomize as well and all that. So the computer actually speeds it up just slightly. 
and that makes it run real smooth, and then it comes right back down again as the engine warms up. Okay. Well, if that little idle servo kind of sticks or binds, it's used to running in one position 99% of the time, so that stays pretty free. But when it goes to idle up, it may not be able to get up there quite quick enough, so it's going to stumble. But overall, if it's not a big inconvenience for you, I doubt very seriously it's going to hurt the vehicle any. And if okay. it's not happening all the time? Chance- uh, no, no, no. Just once every... Blue moon. Rarely, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be real concerned about, about that. I'm not really overly concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And one other quick question, sure. real quick. Just give me your overall opinion on the 4.2 liter V6. Really, one of my favorite engines that Ford ever built, Greg. Okay. I like it a whole lot better than I do the 5.4 and the 4.6 that came okay. after the V8. That, that little 4.2 just seems to be a, a workhorse, and it, I love it hardly ever gives any trouble. Yeah, we've seen them quite frequently with 300,000 miles on them. Josh, a transmission guy at the shop, had one. He bought it with 250,000. Put 350 on it, and the, the engine was still running when he got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like hearing that. Yeah, it's a pretty good little engine. You know, as you get into the basic type stuff, it's sort of like the old Chevrolet 5.7 or 350. Just yeah. a good basic engine. lasted forever. As you start putting more and more gadgets and gizmos, when you go to three-valve engines and you go to yeah. variable cam timing and all that, it's got some benefits, but there's some downsides as well. Okay, well, listen, oh, one other thing I want to mention. Sure. You're the second best program on WJBO next to Rush Limbaugh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, I, I can concede to Rush. <laughs> All right, listen, y'all have a great day, and thank you. All right, Greg, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. And talking about brakes and brake pads, that's uh-huh. a good topic. And there's just a multitude of pads out there, but a lot of people are kind of reluctant to check on the OEM pad because they assume they're going to be way more expensive than aftermarket. And that's the way it's always, you know, you always called the dealer and they were twice as much as the aftermarket was. Right. So, but not always. And not always. Not Sometimes anymore. Sometimes the aftermarket stuff may be equal to or even more expensive than the OEM because some original equipment manufacturers, for instance, Honda is pretty good right. about that. Even Toyota to a little bit lesser degree. They kind of give people a break on maintenance parts right? because they want them to do maintenance. You can buy a Toyota oil filter from a Toyota dealer for about $4.50. And you're going to pay almost $4.50 yeah, for, for a trash for filter at a parts store right. or, or discount house. And it's always best. I say always. These exceptions are so small that I'm not going to go into them right now. But it's generally going to always be best to go with the original equipment part. You've always got at least a very good part. When well, you do sure. That. that part is engineered for that application. Mm-hmm. And so always check and see because you might be surprised. Like I said, on a Honda, many of their brake pads are in the $40 range. Right. Which is really reasonable, and it's and a good pad. It's not going to warp the rotors. Right. It's not going to squeak and squeal. They come with most of them come with all the hardware that you need to put the vehicle back together. They come with a little grease to go between the shims mm-hmm. on the backs of the pads. That's right. That's something that, in my experience, last time I was in a discount place, you had to buy that grease. Yeah. If you buy all the shims, and, yeah. you buy the grease, you buy that, you're going to pay way, way, way more. more. Way more. Now, some car manufacturers, like, for instance, Chevrolet, GM, they're kind of ludicrous on their brake pads, but I still buy them just because they are a good part. But a Chevy pickup, you may pay $200 for a set of brake pads. Oh, I know. Anywhere from $160 to $200, depending on which of the 25 options it's got on the brakes. So <laughs> notice my little uh, yeah. <laughs> aggravation in my voice there. Yeah. But even at that price, I have seen where those pads will last as much as 150,000 miles. Well, and they're designed for the application, mm-hmm. so they're not going to warp the rotors. They're sure. not going to tear things up. It's worth a little more. Well, up it's front cheaper than right buying part. a set of rotors. Well, sure it is. And it's also cheaper than divorce you can get when your wife has to put up with them squealing <laughs> brakes for the next two years. You know? Exactly. <laughs> hey, let's go to our phone line with Scott. Good morning, Scott. 
Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I've got an 03 Camry. Okay. And after listening to you and talking with you in person, mm-hmm. I've gone the route of buying my own oil filter from okay. Toyota. Yeah, good okay. idea. And when I heard you mention that, it brought up something that I had been wanting to ask you. Mm-hmm. A year ago or so, every time, I and mean, I buy them five, six at a time, because every six, eight weeks, we get ball changed, you know, based on the 3,000 miles. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it used to come with a little washer-type looking thing. Yes, sir. In there. And I remember you saying, you know, always make sure that they pull that old one off and put the new one on. Good idea to change that. Yes, sir. Well, I don't have that in there anymore. Yeah, they sell that to you separately, Scott. And I don't know, some dealers kind of just throw that in with a deal just because they're nice guys. Because little seals, I don't know, they're $0.10, cents, $0.15. Cents. They're hardly anything at all. A lot of dealers will just throw them in with the deal. And if you ask, like you go ahead and buy six filters, I'm sure they give you six washers. And or you can buy a here? pack of them. You can buy a pack of 10 of them for, I don't know, a dollar or two. Okay, so I'll, I'll just need to start asking them. Because yes, they, right. They were just in the box before. Yeah, and yeah. they may have just put them in there because I don't think they've ever really come with the filters that I remember. Right. We buy them by the case, and they're all sealed up when we get them, and they're not in those so, and right. haven't been for years. So. Okay. All right, well, good deal. All right, good Scott. Day. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan. Dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there is one more thing. My neighbor DVRs C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, free tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we're going right back to our phone line with Harold. Good morning, Harold. Yes, sir. I've got an O2 Chevrolet pickup truck, and I've had tires and Balanced everything on it, all new, rotors turning, et cetera. But anyway, I've got a vibration at 40 miles per hour, and it feels like it's, it may be a torque converter. I'm not certain about this here. but Yeah, uh, well, that's pretty easy. Did. I'm going to tell you, Harold, the way you isolate any vibration, and this is something i got a pretty good bit of experience with, but the first thing you have to do is see what affects the vibration. Okay, and these are simple tests you can do yourself that will pretty much eliminate a lot of possibilities for you. For instance, if it comes in at 45 miles an hour, regardless of what you're doing, you're not hitting the brakes or anything like that, it just comes in at 45, you forget all about the brakes because it can't be that. Now, the next thing you want to do is accelerate at 45, see if it gets better or if it gets worse. It gets better. It gets better if you accelerate and gets worse if you let off or the other way around? Could you repeat that? I'm sorry. Does it get better if you accelerate or does it get worse when you accelerate? It gets better. It gets better, okay. Normally, if accelerating it will change it, 
you're into the drive line somewhere, okay? Because the wheels and tires don't care if you're accelerating or if you're coasting. So if that definitely does change it, I'd start looking at the drive line area of the vehicle. I'd kind of forget about tires and all at this point. Now, the next thing you want to do, get up above the range where it shakes, put it in neutral, and let it coast back down through that range and see if the shake is still there. I'm doing it right now. Okay. If you're coasting through the range, it does not shake when you're coasting. Well, now you know you're into the drive line. Right. Well, there's no vibration in it now. Okay. Well, if all you right. coast back down through 45 and there's no – see, if it was a wheel or a tire or a brake or anything, all that would still be exactly the same at the same speed. So see how right. simple that is? That one little thing just saved you about a 1000 bucks of unnecessary okay. stuff changing. What I would probably want to do, Harold, is to check the U-joints in it real careful. And most people check U-joints. They grab the shaft and they twist and say, there's no slack. Okay, well, yeah, that's one way a U-joint goes bad. Just like some people have high blood pressure. But the lack of high blood pressure doesn't mean you're perfectly healthy because you could be eating up with cancer and not have high blood pressure. Same thing with a U-joint. You can have a tight roller or bad trunnion in it, no slack at all, but it's still going to cause vibration. Now, what you okay. got to do to check that, you have to take the drive shaft out and physically move the yoke in both directions, and it should be as smooth as glass. Any binding, any tightness is going to cause a vibration, and it's going to be affected with acceleration and deceleration. I've had all three of the universal joints changed okay. about a month ago. Was okay. it shaking before that? It's still doing the same thing. Okay, the exact same amount didn't affect it at all? No. Or did it get worse or did it get better? I had I, everything stayed the same. Okay. The next thing I would look at would be the drive shaft angle. Is the truck jacked up or modified or have bigger tires or anything on it? Right. I, I've done all that. I've done, I had all that done with the mechanic. Okay. You can't figure it out. Either, okay. If so. the truck is jacked up or modified, you're probably into a drive shaft angle problem. Because okay. you change the drive shaft angle about one degree and you're going to bring that harmonic down where it's going to shake like the devil. You might go on my website. There is an article on just type in U-joint or something like that, a drive shaft. There's an article that tells you how to check drive shaft angle and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. If the drive Great. shaft angle is off, and it can be off for a number of reasons. It can be off because the rear bushes in the spring are worn. It can be off because the mount is off in the front. It can be because the height of the truck has changed somehow, bigger tires, all that. Any of that is going to make it real, real critical. But you see, if you put it in neutral and it doesn't do it, that kind of eliminates almost everything else. I mean, that unloads the drive shaft, the drive line. Right. And the vibration goes away. It could also be that the U-joints were changed and the shaft was not rebalanced, it being a Correct. two-piece shaft. Yeah, so it could now, have been out of balance before they changed it, the U-joints, but right. they didn't rebalance it. So they fixed and, a problem and not the problem. And when they took it apart, the man may have not have got it phased back together right, which will cause a vibration because all the U-joints are not running in the same plane anymore. Right. There's just a whole, so, whole, whole right. field of science about U-joints and drive shafts and right. all that. But that's the area I would be looking at. Now, if you just can't find it, go in the phone book. And there are at least one shop I know of in Baton Rouge. It's a driveline specialty shop. And they've got balancers and all that stuff there. So they can do a lot more in-depth diagnosis than the average shop is going to be able to do for you. Okay. It wouldn't be anything in the rear end, am I? Correct. Not very likely. No. There's just hardly anything. See, rear end, everything is kind of small. I'm not going to say no, because I have seen a bad yoke in the rear end cause the drive shaft to move up and down and cause a vibration. But it's kind of like if you hear hooves behind you, you don't expect it to be zebras. You expect it to be horses first. So right. you go after the most likely stuff first. Now, I can name just a whole, whole bevy of other things it can be, including an engine running problem. I've seen some little misfires right at a certain RPM range. And, I mean, it will fool you. You'll swear it's a vibration, but it's actually a little engine miss. And okay. the way you could actually find that is to drop it down, say, out of overdrive 
and drive at 45 miles an hour and see if it's not at 45, but now maybe it's at 37 or 40. What that's right. doing is because the RPM, the RPM has changed. Correct. You see, so there's a, a lot of things you can do to find a vibration. You just got to take a logical approach and not start changing parts because you're gonna run out of money before you run out of things you could try and may create more problems and than you have you may now. create other problems along the way so right. and you may fix one problem and cause another problem so you got to take a real logical approach you need someone who's real good at diagnostics to find that problem for you well great thank Alrighty. you so much okay all right sir good luck to you man bye-bye 499-9526 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we would love to have you and we've got charlotte online good morning charlotte good morning how are y'all just good great morning. ma'am Great. I have a question. I have an 07 Sierra. Mm-hmm. My Stabilitrack light came on, and my traction control light came on, and then that went off, and then my brake light came on and made a ding and noise. Mm-hmm. And then okay. after driving a little bit, it, it would come back on periodically. So I called y'all shop. Mm-hmm. They told me you know, it would be a week before y'all could see me, so yes, I, I was a little afraid to wait. So mm-hmm. I called the dealership. Mm-hmm. And they saw me, I think, that day, and they told me it was a brake switch, mm-hmm. okay? They fixed it, $140. I live about 12 miles by home. Everything was fine. The next morning, got up, got in it. Two miles down the road, the light came on again. Same thing. Now you know why they can take you the same day. It takes a week to get an apartment with me, huh? <laughs> 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 right. No, I'm just picking on you. And I, I called the dealership. Mm-hmm. He told me to bring it in, so I did later that day. They come back and said the master cylinder needed to be changed, that it was leaking brake fluid, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, and they had done a check for Well, I'm real bothered by that. Why right. did you tell me that first day? Right. $900. Well. I to do that, and I was going, there's no way. So why no. didn't y'all see this yesterday? No, exactly. It's one of two things. Either they're guessing and going along, or they're totally incompetent because they missed a master cylinder the first day it was in. Either way, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. anybody you want to deal with. The Stabilitrack and, did you say the check engine light also came on? Uh, no, it was just the Stabilitrack, the traction control, and then the brake light would come on. They okay. told me the reason why was because it was the brake malfunction, the light. Yeah, the well, it will. It'll turn all three of those on. But right, they're all yeah, connected. I mean, and that could mm-hmm. easily be just an electrical problem. Also, I don't mm-hmm. see a whole lot of master cylinders failing on those trucks. What? How many miles do you have, Charlotte? 125,000. That's no miles at all. Fairly low mileage. Yeah, Yeah, I don't see a lot of that. Did you have the work done already or no? Yeah. Okay. After flashing, they took the 140 off. Yeah. Are the lights off now? Oh, yeah, they're off. They're fine. But okay. I, I just, you know, I argued with them. I said, well, you know, you said you did that the right. switch, and you did a 27-point right. Why did you see it this morning? Yeah. I mean, if the light's off, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Just take it as a lesson, and next time, don't go there. But <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the, the master cylinders give very little problem, in my experience. But, again, if you change the master cylinder and you tighten the connections up, then maybe you fix the light, too. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you just need to tighten the connections up. I just don't know. I'm right. not trying to second-guess them, but. That's one of those deals, definitely. If I go in and they check my vehicle and tell me it's one thing and I have the same exact problem, I go back and they find a whole lot of other things, I'm very mm-hmm. concerned at that point. Yeah, you know, that's I, a red flag. Yeah, that would I really, really it. bother me. I, it did. It you did. might fire yeah. off a letter to the general manager or the owner of the dealership, just explain a story like you just did to me, or maybe even send a letter to GM and see if yeah, you, see what they say. Okay. I mean, if nothing yeah, else, at least you can kind of warn. Yeah, he didn't seem to. Care. Yeah, well, you may have to go above the normal right. guys, service rider. They don't really have any skin in the game. But if you mm-hmm. get to the owner of the dealership or something like that, I just send him a personal letter. And I tell you, if you want it to get to him, what mm-hmm. you need to do, don't type it or anything, handwrite it. Because right. hand addressed letters get delivered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. All right, Charlotte. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive art, we'd love to have you. And we've got Will online. Good morning, Will. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing today? great, sir. Good morning. I have a 2005 Acura TSX. Mm-hmm. And a couple things that does, actually. Main thing is whenever it's braking and it switches from the engine braking to first gear, you hear the engine rev, and sometimes it'll vibrate and shudder or do something and it shakes the car. Hmm. Other times, it won't. And then sometimes it'll be stopped at a red light or pulling out of reverse put it in drive, hit the gas, and it stops. You hear something, sounds like something snaps, and then it goes. So Is it setting a check engine light, Will? No, no check engine lights, no nothing. Uh, how about your like your little D4 light on your drive? Does that ever flash? Mm-mm. Well, I would suspect that that sounds like a transmission kind of an issue, and I don't mean it has to be a bad transmission, but the first thing you want to do is probably check the fluid in the transmission, make sure it's not just a little bit low, because being a quarter too low on fluid can cause that slip engage, called a delayed engagement, and what will happen, the engine will rev slightly, then it will catch, and if it's too quick, the computer may not catch it, but just from what you're describing, that kind of sort of sounds like what you got. The only other thing I can think of, it may be, going into ABS when it shouldn't be, and sometimes if the sensors get a little dirty, when the pads tend to wear, particularly if you put aftermarket pads on it, it wears the rotor and generates some metal, and those little sensors are magnets, so they tend to gather that metal up, and it may change the gap slightly, and what can happen as you come to a stop, it may think the wheel's locked up when it's not, so it's going to pulse and do all that kind of crazy stuff. But I would almost have to drive the car to see exactly what it's doing. But I would almost bet you it's going to be one of those two things. Check the fluid level on that transmission. Real easy on that one. Just with it running in gear, fully warmed up, and make sure you're on level ground. Pull the stick, wipe it off, put it in, and check it again, and read both sides of the stick. And if one side's full and the other side's low, the low side is correct side. Don't pay attention to the high side. Check the lowest reading on the stick is the correct reading. Or if there's a bubble, use the bottom of the yeah. bubble. If, if it's full at the top, there's a bubble and another reading, the lowest possible reading on correct. that stick is the correct reading. And it, gotcha. it's not going to hurt to have it a little over full? Right. You could just go and buy a bottle of fluid. That has to come from a Honda or an Acura dealer. Correct. And just dump an extra quart of fluid in it. It won't hurt it any. And if it clears up, then you know that's the problem. Right. Just a diagnostic procedure. I don't just automatically pour more fluid in them but if it looks low or something i would try that first off if not i'm going to assume you'd maybe go in an abs mode and you see if you got a sensor that's reading improperly like that for a mechanical reason it's not going to see it as an abs problem it's going to see it as normal operation because it thinks the wheels walk right that's what i was thinking it's kind of feels like something's over pressurizing whenever it does that yeah that's all driven by the wheel speed sensors so any of those wheel speed sensors would cause that if you had a malfunction yeah, because there's no ABS light comes on. Well, no, no it won't see it. It just thinks the car's in analog no, mode. It thinks it's normal. Right. All righty. I got to go, go up against a break. I'm sorry. We're going to hold on. I'll get right back to you. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. We have an anonymous caller here from the D.C. area. You're on the air. Uh, yes, Mike. I have some serious debt issues. Okay. Let's say I'm in charge of this really big company, and we have this deficit. You know, I thought with the world ending, we'd be okay, but that didn't happen, and I need some cash. I maxed out all my credit cards, but that barely made a dent. 
Well, sounds like you need to be on a strict budget. And the first thing I tell you is to make sure you're not wasting money on big-time car repairs. Regular preventative maintenance with Agco Automotive is the key to saving money in the long run and a good way to pay off debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Any other advice? You should look into selling your house and downsizing. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? Hey, Will, I'm sorry I had to cut you off, but we're right up against the break. What else did you have with it? Okay, dealer was telling me that it could be a transmission mount and an engine mount, but that didn't sound right to me. No, what that will do... Well, it'll give you a similar type of thing, but it'll be more like a rock and a bump when you take off because the motor's kind of rocking up and bumping down. And I got to say, those are real bad about going out. They probably are bad, but I just don't think it would have anything to do with that flare where the RPM goes up and it wouldn't affect that at all. So the odds of a motor and transmission mount being bad are pretty high just because Honda and Acura both had a good deal of trouble with that on their cars. And it would make it maybe ride a little smoother, drive a little smoother, vibrate less at idle, and take the bumping noise out. But it's not going to help with the flare and all that. I'm pretty convinced you've either got a trans with a little slight slip or like going in ABS mode. I just have to see the car to tell you for sure. Right, which would make more sense because it's an intermittent issue. It doesn't happen. Kind of. Yeah, and see, intermittent goes more back to the ABS problem. If you do any work yourself, Will, what you might just try is go in, pull those ABS sensors out, clean them good, put them back in, and see if that doesn't help. That's relatively I'll easy to do that. on that one. I'll definitely try that. Thank okay, you. man. Thanks, Will. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Matt's been patiently holding. Good morning, Matt. Morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have an O2 Tundra. It is a bulldog. I've had some issues with it backing up, making this popping noise on the front end. And I had over 200,000, so I thought it was a ball joint. So place all the ball joints. Didn't stop it. Turning real hard to left or right, either backing up or pulling out. Doesn't really do it at high speed, or at least I don't hear it. So I... Brought it back in, had the ball, uh, tire rod ends changed, and they said the grommets that hold the racket pinion were worn, and that was rocking that racket pinion back and forth. So uh-huh. I replaced that, thousand dollars for a racket pinion. Yeah, Give Matt, you, you're breaking up real bad. I can barely understand. I'm getting about every other word you're saying. Uh, what kind of vehicle is it? It's an O2 Tundra, four-wheel drive. Okay, okay, and it's a bumping noise. When do you hear it's, it? It's a popping noise on the front end, like it's a ball joint loose or popping. Or yeah, warm. but when does it do it? What brings it on, man? backing up or pulling forward real slow, turning at a hard radius, turning at a, like backing a trailer up or something. Based on that, it's been $2,000. Yeah, well, Matt, right. that's ridiculous to start changing parts. Somebody needs to diagnose the problem. In other words, if you go in and say, well, I think it's this, I think it's that. They're going to change it and yeah, get they, it back to you. And yeah, that's be, right. You know, you need somebody who can go in there and find the problem with I would have done to start with is put a bunch of microphones underneath the truck, get a rotary switch, went and drive around until I heard noise. And then I would have said this is it, and that would have been it, and it would have been fixed. But what, I tell you what you can try to do. On that front end, there is a steering stop where when you turn the wheel all the way, the stop actually hits against the knuckle. control arm, mm-hmm. and the knuckle hit together to stop it from turning any farther. Right. What happens is that dries out. And when you're backing up, you got it turned all the way, and those two pieces are touching, and that's metal on metal. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen is it's going to make some kind of noises there. What you can do to, to verify that is take your little wheel bearing grease, and when you get under there, you will be able to see where those two pieces have been hitting. Put your little wheel bearing grease in there and try it again and see if it goes yeah, away. Yeah, it'll be a shiny spot. And that's not a permanent fix, but no, that'll definitely but that'll isolate definitely, the problem. You'll know then, 
and it's really not hurting anything. It's just an annoyance if right. that is the yeah. problem, if that's what it is. But that will verify that real quick. You can do really If it's not that, we have found a lot of times just like a loose bolt like in the cross member or something like that, go in there and take a wrench and put a wrench on every one of those bolts, pull them all tight, you can find one of them about a half a turn, and that's more likely what that kind of noise is going to be. But yeah. see, the thing is, when you got somebody just swapping parts, man, you're going to just spend a fortune, $2,000 out and still have the same noise. You at the wrong that's shot, man. What I'm at. But, yeah, um, you at the wrong was, place. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the brakes now when I put pressure on the brakes. Well, okay, maybe so, but again, you can't just go change all the brakes and hope that fixes it. You need to get that somebody knows how to find it. They can't make you do the noise while they're driving it. Well, well you whatever. need to get in the truck and make right. the noise, take the tech with you and say, okay, there's the noise. That's what I want fixed right there. Yeah. You know, Get in the truck with the guy who's going to fix it and drive it until it makes a noise and show him that's it. That's the noise. And okay. if he can't find it, then you're in the wrong shop. You'd find another shop because that—that's not rocket science. That's something that should have been fixed the first time in. But you put microphones underneath it. That's correct. You can yeah. Okay. Well, I need to bring it to y'all. I guess that. Well, yeah, me or somebody <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Man. All right, Matt. All right. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And is it Eloy? Yes. Okay. Good. What can we do for you this morning? Yeah, I got an O2 Suburban, uh, 160,000 miles on okay. it. I, I took it in to get an oil change this past week, mm-hmm. and they told me I had an oil cooler adapter leak. Yeah, okay. that's fairly common, Eloy. Fairly easy to fix. Just little gaskets and seals. The way it's made with all filter bolts on, it's got like a plate, and then it bolts to the motor. It just goes between the two and has two lines coming out of it, and they'll go up to a radiator and just runs the oil through and just cools the oil off, which helps the engine stay cooler, but... There's some seals above it that will leak. There's also two little adapters where it clicks into that adapter, and those will leak. And sometimes the hoses themselves will leak. So you just got to figure out where the leak is. And, again, not rocket science. You just clean up the mess, get in there, crank it up, and see what all is coming out. Something that's relatively easy to fix. Now, is that something I could bring by your shop this week, or do I would really need to make an appointment? Well, or? it'd be best to call and make an appointment just because we stay real, real busy and you just drop in. They will take it in. They will work it in when they can, but it may be a day or two, whereas if you make an appointment, you're in and out the same day. How much am I looking at on the repair? Well, it just depends like on what's wrong. depends on what's leaking. Not a whole bunch. If it's actually the adapter seals, you're probably talking about a half-hour labor, which is about $45 and about $20 worth of seals. Now, if the hoses are bad, they're kind of expensive. Again, not a lot of labor, but the two hoses are fairly expensive. And then there's some adapters. They're relatively inexpensive. So it just depends on what is actually leaking on it. Okay. All righty. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. Right, thank you. 499-9526 a number if you want to be part of the automotive fire. And we've got Gerald online. Good morning, Gerald. Hi, Lewis. I've got a 97 Chevrolet Venture. And in the past, I've had problems with the vacuum leaks that make it run rough. And uh-huh. so I've moved out of state up in... And so I had the same problem reoccur, and the service engine light came on. Okay. So I the two reputable shops. One of them is the dealer. Mm-hmm. And one of them gave me a diagnosis of the uh, something to do with the smog and emissions. And up there, you know, you don't have to have inspection stickers, so he didn't seem to think it was important to fix it. So I take it to the Chevrolet dealer, mm-hmm. and they say that there's a wiring harness underneath that's, causing, that's damaged, causing me to get improper fuel mixture, and they were not... Their technician was not qualified to fix it. Wow. I don't really have confidence in either of those diagnoses. No, I wouldn't no. say so, no. And uh, so it seems like it's a little bit worse when it's real rainy weather. What do you think yeah. about that? Well, you just need to find out what it is, Gerald. If the check engine light's on, it's going to be a code stored. And what the first thing you do is get that code, and then from there it'll tell you what system is causing the problem. 
And then with just a little bit of detective work, you can narrow that down. That's just not rocket science. That's a pretty old technology, you know, 1997. If you can't figure that out, I wouldn't be real comfortable going to anybody like that. I mean, there's any number of things that could possibly be, but again, you just got to know what you're looking for, what area. You know, is it a fuel-related problem? Is it a vacuum problem? Is it an ignition problem? Being worse in high humidity almost sounds like an electrical ignition to me, but again, what I would do is try to get them to give you what code is present. Go to the website and email code, and I can maybe give you a little better advice on it. Okay. Now, let me ask one more question. You know, I understand you subscribe to a certain philosophy, and I'm not really up on that, but is there, is there a way I could find a mechanic in another area that subscribes to the same philosophy? Yes, sir. Go on my website on the front page, Gerald, at the very bottom, and it's going to say finding a great shop in your area. And just read that article, and it's going to give you several things to look for, and then it'll also give you links to other articles. I've probably written about five or six articles on that site about selecting a shop and how to find a shop and how to buy auto repair and all that kind of stuff. In fact, there's a good one called Shops Are From Mars and People Are From Venus or something like that. And it tells you how to talk with a shop, how to communicate. But go through and just kind of read some of that information, and I think you'll be able to find what you're looking for pretty easy. All right. Thank you. All right, Gerald. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. Last week, I changed fuel pump on 5.3. And do I need to change that regulator also? Not necessarily, not unless it's giving you a problem. What kind of problem are you trying to solve, Jesse? Well, just want to be sure my fuel system's up to par. Yeah, I'm not real big, Jesse, on preemptive repair. You know, there's things you do that are maintenance. Now, to define maintenance, that's something you do that costs a little bit that prevents something that costs a whole lot. Right. Then you have what you call repair. Now, changing a fuel pressure regulator is repair. In other words, that's something I wouldn't do until it breaks. Simply because you can go and change it now, but who's to say the one you get is better than the one you're taking off? <laughs> you know? <laughs> the one you find. That's the world we live in. Yeah, if it's not giving any trouble, I'm just not real big on changing parts just to change parts. I mean, you could spend a fortune, and the one part you don't change may fail. I mean, how about the window motor? It may go out. You know, how about anything? But are the parts that you right. do change failing me? Yeah, who's to say the part you're getting is any better than the one you're taking right. off? So I don't like the idea of preemptive repair i just don't think it's in line with my theory of overall lowest cost i think you're spending the maximum and not really improving your situation a whole lot so i would prefer to wait until i have a symptom of a problem now there's maintenance items that you do and that prevents problems that's great and sometimes like for instance with a timing belt i got the whole front of the motor turned down I'm gonna change the water pump because I'm right there. It just sure. makes sense. Right. But I wouldn't just go in and change the fuel pressure regulator unless it was a problem. I mean, it's okay. pretty easy to test without. And if you don't have any symptoms, I mean, odds are it's good. It's probably gonna be good for the life of the truck. Okay, well, that's the kind of feelings I was trying to get out of you. If yes, y'all sir. do it. In other words, I don't want a weak link in my chain. Yeah, but again, you may put a brand new one from the Chevrolet dealer, and okay. it may fail next week because it came from China, and the original one came from Cleveland. <laughs> right. So, that tells me exactly what I need to do. Then. Yeah, I'm not real big on just changing stuff, man. Okay, I should be good to go then. I believe so. Okay, man. All right, Thank Jesse. You. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take our one last little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and breathe the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right. 
Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month? Do strawberry Pop-Tarts count as fruit? No, not last time I checked. Welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry, lead tech over at Agco Automotive. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. we still got a few minutes. You can go ahead and give us a call. We'll get some good advice. Good, there you go. And there you go. You know, should you happen to miss the little window we got left here or something occurs to you maybe during the week. That's right. When we're not on the air, mm-hmm. you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way by sending Louis an email. That's right. The address is www.agco.com. Auto.com. That is A G C O A U T O.com. Right. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. Just fill the form out, send it in. If you don't get it back in 24 hours, Check your return address and resend it because we do not disregard emails. Right. We always answer every single email. So if you hadn't got anything back from me within 24 hours, and usually a lot faster, during the day I try to check that five, six, seven times a day. So usually an hour or two you can normally get an answer back from me. And that is the only way to get in touch with me. I know a lot of folks will call during the day to chit-chat. And I'm a real nice guy, and it's not that I don't want to talk to you, but I'm just so busy during the day waiting on customers who have their cars in the shop. 100% of my attention has to go to the people who are paying my salary, and I can't stop and come to the phone and answer. So don't get aggravated if you call and Lane tells you that I'm not available. Right. Because that's why we make it so easy to reach us on the radio show and also on the website. And that website could not be easier to use. I mean, I have gone to great, great, great lengths to make that contact just a real, real easy thing. So much so that you go in now and you fill out the form one time. It'll even remember your information. Right. So next time you go back, all you have to do is type in the mileage and the complaint. Send hit the button. In. It'll go right on through. That's great. So while you're on there, there's tons of other good, good things you can do on that site. Of course, you can w- register for a free Agco t-shirt. It's a little contest you can take and right. get a free Agco t-shirt sent out to you. I guess we're going to keep our farthest distance caller t-shirt Whoever today. calls from the furthest <laughs> distance, you let the producer know and we'll get an Agco t-shirt out to you for that as well. There you go. Put an article on there this morning on how to buy the right new car. Uh And this is something I didn't really realize it was as big a problem as what I've come to realize after I did the article. But a lot of times folks will pick a car or car type that they think is a good car. And when they get their car, they are dissatisfied. And a couple of weeks ago, Howard called. He says, I bought a Toyota Camry because I thought it was a really good car. Right. But I'm dissatisfied with the way it rides. And what happens a Toyota Camry is an excellent car, and it does have Michelin tires on it sometimes, which are excellent tires. However, if you buy an ES or an IS model, it's going to be a sport model, so it is so not going to ride well. Correct, but you, it's going to handle correct. You're going to need an LX model for that. Uh-huh. Uh, same thing with, say, a Honda Accord. People say, well, I bought a Honda Accord. I thought it was a good car, but this one uses a lot of gas, and i got to put premium fuel in. I really don't. I'm totally dissatisfied. Well, you bought an EX. And see, an EX may have a high-performance motor. If you want that, that's great. That's the car for you. Right. But if you don't want that, you got to do your homework up there's, front. There's different levels of the same car. Tons of different options on every different car model. And what they're trying to do is sell cars, and they're trying to make try to be everything to everybody. 
But the designation on the car is sort of like the personality of the car. Right. And, you know, an EX is going to be a totally different car from, say, an LX or a DX or whatever. And there's all kinds of different designations. The point is you've got to do your homework. You've got to make sure you're getting the right model with the features you want because that can be very aggravating to someone who doesn't want those features. And for someone who does, it's great. It's the greatest thing in the world. Uh So this is a very good article. It goes into how to buy a new car pretty much in-depth and also tells you how to look for the different feature levels and all. Pop on there and see what you think. I think you'll really like it. It's www.agcoauto.com. And we're going back to our phone lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Good morning. Could you tell me if Delco and Delphi are exactly the same thing in different boxes? No, sir. That is two different companies completely. And to make it even way more complicated than that, Al, even Delco isn't Delco. (laughs) (laughs) You've got two different lines in the Delco product. For instance, you've got what they call the Delco OEM line. Mm-hmm. which is the original equipment part supplied to General Motors. Good part for the most part. Then you've got the Delco Professional line, which is nothing but an aftermarket imported part stuck in a Delco box. Mm-hmm. Same exact box. If you don't know the part numbers, you can't hardly tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I had a fella earlier this week had a Corvette, and he brought it in, and we gave him a price on a starter. And what I priced him on was a brand-new Delco OEM starter. And he called, well, I went online, and I bought a Delco starter for about half that much. Yeah, but you got an aftermarket rebuilt starter. Mm. So you just got to know so much nowadays. I mean, there are so many companies out there right. that are just doing crazy stuff. You can't even compare names between the names anymore. No, no. They're, man, there's just different levels of everything. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to hit all the different parts of the market. They know that the professional mechanics probably going to seek out the OEM part. But they know there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers who think they're going to save money and they're going to buy this. Well, I'm buying a Delco part. Well, no, you're not. And see, the same thing with Delphi. Delphi is a totally separate company. Delphi was a supplier to GM at one time. But, again, it's not the same as Delco. It's a, it's a whole different company. And they also have junk parts and they have OEM parts. And, and on and on throughout every line is like that. So the best thing, Al, if you don't know, is before you make any kind of sizable purchase, to fire off an email to me and I can kind of cue you in because I work with this every single day, so I'm a little more aware of what goes on. No, I requested an OEM part today, and the guy gave me a Delphi and said, that's OEM, so I... Yeah. It I is see that the same thing as Delco. Yeah, so. it, it is not the same as Delco, but again, GM okay. buys parts from a whole lot of people. Yeah. You see, and there's, being an OEM part, Delco may be, and Delco may not be, for instance, you also got just a regular GM blue box, which will say General Motors on it. Now, that didn't come from Delco. That comes from another supplier. Mm-hmm. So GM probably has a 1,000 different suppliers for different stuff, mm-hmm. and Delco is one of them or was one of them. Delco is no longer part of General Motors at all. They've been spun off, and they still make some parts for GM, but, again, they make parts for a lot of other people, and they make parts that GM wouldn't buy. So you got to be very, very, very careful. We take spark plugs out of a Chevrolet pickup sometimes, and it might be an NGK or a Nipodenzo. You know, Denzo is the OEM part on that because that's who made the original part. So Delco would not be the original part. So okay. it's just you got to know so, so, so much to get. And, and going to the dealer doesn't really necessarily mean you'll get the OEM part anymore because they sell second line a lot of times. you got to be very careful about that. Huh. Well, you've answered my question. I'm All right. I'm not confused, but you answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> Al, i got an article on my website, How to Buy Parts Like a Professional, and you might read that article. It'll give you a little more insight into this. I will check it out. Okay, Al, thanks, Thank man. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. That's another thing. Of course, Ford does the same thing. you got Motocraft, which is an OEM supplier to Ford, uh-huh. but not all of it. Some of it's Blue Box. Right. If it's Ford Blue Box, Motocraft's not OEM. 
Motorcraft is an aftermarket part made for Ford, like, for instance, with their brake pads. Uh-huh. Ford has the blue box brake pad, which is the OEM part, and then Motorcraft makes an aftermarket replacement pad that the Ford dealers will sell you. Right. In fact, when you go and get one of the $89 Ford brake jobs, that's, that's what, what you're getting. getting. <laughs> you ain't getting no OEM part, I can assure you, because just the pads cost more than that. Right. So it's one of those things where the world has just gotten so incredibly complex, you just can't trust a brand name or anything as an assurance of quality. You almost got to deal with it on a daily basis. And, of course, you see how much we have to test incoming parts. Brand-new incoming parts, I mean, it doesn't mean they're good. You know, new doesn't mean good anymore. It just no, means not anymore. it's supposed to be good. Right. It <laughs> but, means it went in the box. Yeah, that's right. But you'd be amazed. And a lot of dealerships, you got to remember, a lot of people see a dealership as the company they represent. That is not the case. A dealership only means that this person bought a franchise to sell a certain brand of cars. And they're required to... They are required to sell that car. They are required to use OEM parts on warranty service, but they can service your car in any manner they want. They're the same as any other independent shop. They hire the same people. They have the same level of training. They have the same tooling and equipment, and they can use any kind of part they want on customer-paid work. Correct. So just because you're going back to the dealer doesn't mean you're going to get OEM parts necessarily. I'm not saying you won't, but you're not necessarily. you got to ask. Right. If you hung around there, you would see the, the parts stores. Well, you'll see a lot of them little big box stores pulling right. up deli- making deliveries. Right. And all that is a guy who bought a franchise. That's not necessarily the way he's going to run his shop. Uh-huh. On customer pay work, he can do anything any other shop can do. I had a guy actually one time, he says, are they obligated to observe technical service bulls? No, absolutely not. Technical service bulletin is only something they sent out for information. They're not obligated to do anything. Right. Other than during the warranty period where you're contractually obligated to the company that sold you the car, there's different ramifications there. They've got to use the OEM part because GM's paying for it. They don't want you putting aftermarket junk on there, right. or Ford, or Chrysler, or Toyota, whomever. Right. So you just got to be careful. That's one of those things that we have come to believe and rely on and trust that really we never could rely on or trust. And now we're starting to see that. I guess as more and more information becomes available, more and more examples become available. And I'm not trying to paint dealerships with a broad brush and saying they're all bad. Absolutely not. There are probably some very, very good ones. The person who owns that dealership makes a choice, just like the guy who owns an independent shop. There are some independent shops that I wouldn't take anything to. And there's some that if they tell you son ain't coming up tomorrow, you better you go better, get your that's flashlight. Right. That's right. Because they are very qualified, very, very good, and, and very honest people. And same thing with some dealerships. All you have to do is find the right one. you got to find the right one. And that's why that article on my site on finding a good shop, finding a great shop, is, is so helpful to people because what it will do is it will give you a different perspective of things to look for. Uh-huh. Because if you don't buy auto repair every single day, you probably don't know a lot of the things. You can go get prices on a water pump replacement and get three different prices. Sure. And you won't know which one's ripping you off, which one's giving you a good deal. Or which one's using the right parts. Well, one may be an aftermarket junk rebuilt part, sticking it on there, not doing anything else, not even changing the coolant, not doing anything else. The other one may be a proper diagnosis with an OEM part, getting all the old coolant out of the engine, getting it all clean, putting the original equipment coolant back so it doesn't recur. And how are you going to compare a price on those two? Well, you can't. Because you have no idea. You're just getting a price. This guy's saving you 100 bucks. Oh, yeah, but he just, he really ripped you off. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the other guy was giving you a good deal, so... 
Just some advice while you're out there shopping around. That's right. Hit that site, agcoauto.com. Right. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour? I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to iTunes, give us a written rating. Yeah, we really appreciate it. You give us a written rating. It moves us up in the ratings and also makes our day. That's it. There you go. <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Thank you.